Come one, come all to the After Dark Podcast. The podcast in which Sheriff Anthony does his best to wrangle Conrad through Westworld, one doggone episode at a time. So kick back and grab yourself some Apple Jack, or some Adam's Ale if that's your preferred poison, and get ready for these two wannabe cowboys to ramble the night away. Music is provided by the fantastic Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I am Anthony James and that is Conrad. Hello! You're very chipper today. Very, very chipper. Very chipper. Uh, should have been chipper that uh, last week when we were recording in the morning. Uh, more chipper now even though it's the evening time. Yeah, I often find that's the case. Like my as as age withers me back to dust, uh, the spring in my step only occurs when I finish working for the week. Now that's the only thing that can <laughs> that can that can raise me from my from my perpetual stupor. It's you know you know how like I'm sure like people have have thoughts about you like each other and like you never actually hear what other people think of you well there was one time when i was working in a school in london and i was like walking in every morning and i was whistling on the way in or whatever and and one of the teachers actually stopped me and said i love how you come into school whistling every day like yeah. you're happy to be here and i was like yeah i am happy to be here you're like a goddamn like disney teacher from the 40s just like <laughs> yeah. absolutely glad to be there and i did have my I used to have my guitar in the classroom when i taught primary school too so it was it was properly like you know fairy tale stuff it was lovely <laughs> but um not much teaching going on but a lot of singing let's say that but uh right guys we are here to talk about westworld and this was a doozy of an episode if i do say so myself bernard 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 <laughs> you, you dog you dog <laughs> <laughs> you host he's, uh, he's at it again um, yeah <laughs> we'll get into it yeah I, I like how i just said if i do say myself as if i'm responsible for westworld <laughs> <laughs> I do hold you personally responsible for everything I experience while watching this show. To be fair, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the thing, if you, yeah, if you recommend your friend to watch something and then they watch it, you may as well have made the show. Like that's yeah. how much it's, it's, credit you it's do. It's like um, the listeners have no reason to know this, and this is a tangent. So I am gonna, I'm gonna warn you ahead of time. But Anthony and I, I, I believe we be, we became our, our friendship reached new heights when we both kind of realised that we hated the idea of like a YouTube party. Where like after 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 a party yeah. when everyone sits down and they're like oh check out this video check out this video and it becomes a game of Russian roulette where <laughs> yeah. at, at some point the gun the bullet's going to be in the chamber and someone's going to put on a stinker and at that point there's no return everyone's just going to put on bad videos um, and that is kind of how I think I see you in the context of the After Dark oh, podcast yeah. where every time we do a new series you you're, you're loading a bullet into the chamber and spinning spinning the cylinder and maybe we haven't hit it yet but it's yep. only a matter of time maybe that'll be 1899 i doubt it but exactly maybe it will but the thing is well, i love that like a uh, little youtube party analogy here you've got because i'll tell you what about it, what i hate about a youtube party it's you know how some people like story toppers you know how like you, you'll yes. tell them a story and they'll i'm like that actually happened to me as well and, and they'll just go on about something they'll try and stop story top you I don't know why people actively go into this in terms of YouTube parties. That's literally what YouTube parties are. Yeah. It's like a boiling down of the story topping. Because yeah. instead of telling your own story, you just like click another link and say, here you go, yeah. a better video. It's like, a better I, video. I've a watched video. 40% of your video and now I'm going to recommend you one which is better than that. <laughs> like, yeah. No one's actually watching them. No. You just wait. Like after a minute in, you're just thinking, oh my God, I'm going to show them this next. I'm going to show them <laughs> <Yeah>. this next. <laughs> so welcome, dear listener, to 
the internet's version of a YouTube watch party <laughs> as we all sit down and hope that we all enjoy this TV show together. It is true that around season two, halfway through, people will start getting into the comments saying, oh my God, they're going to do this next. They're going to do this next. So it's exactly the same mentality. Yeah. Right, guys, there we go. We're going to get into it now, Conrad. What do you think? Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down. The episode opens with Bernard waking up. Now, before we get into the analysis of this whole episode, I just want to say, on this rewatch, this is the point in which I saw, I was like, oh my God, fantastic foreshadowing for the reveal at the end of this episode. Um, as, as of now, every time we've seen a character wake up at the start of an episode, it's been them waking up at the beginning of their loop. They are a host. That's a good point, actually. I'd um, I'd not considered that. Uh, my, To be honest, like... At this point in this episode, I, I, the, the idea that ben Bernard um, was a host was, was, was percolating away in the back of my mm -hmm. mind. Um, and my first thoughts in watching this, and you know, this isn't the first time that we've heard Bernard mention, mention his, his son who had died. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the first time we've seen his son. We've seen a picture, yeah. First yeah, time we've seen, we've seen a picture. Him. Yeah. Um, but uh, my mind immediately went to, if he is a host, what an incredibly cruel memory to to, to, to give him. <laughs> is this really necessary? Um, and well, they 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 mentioned that they have to have a drive. You know, they have to have a. Yeah, I I feel like maybe maybe they don't need a drive that's quite as heartbreaking as this. But <laughs> but uh, but still, by the end of this episode. We find out that I guess it's all fine. <laughs> like so, well, we'll discuss that when we arrive at it. But um, yeah. but yeah, for, for the time being, Bernard enjoying a very cruel memory <laughs> of yeah. his now dead son. Yeah, exactly. So he's with his dead son. There's not really much here. His son's name's Charlie. Um, Bernard lies to him and says, "You know, you're going to beat this. I promise you." Yeah. Um, Textbook father of a sick son stuff right there yeah you know making promises you have no way of keeping um all of which as we find out later in the episode is uh the work of someone else let's say which definitely recontextualizes this uh this entire storyline definitely does um so he wakes up um back in the real world let's say he, and it sort of implies he was dreaming that um and we all know, probably on his mind all the time, because we do know he's been sort of talking about his son. He was also talking to his ex-partner. What do you think about that, actually? He was talking mm. to his ex-partner yeah, on the TV. Yeah, I don't... I'm... I don't think that's, like... I don't think it's a figment of his imagination. So I, I feel like either that's another host who is ju just exists to answer the phone to him, or it is an actor or an, an actress mm -hmm. I think a host the, the, you know they're sort of in for a penny in for a pound on the host stuff at this point with with mm -hmm. him so you might as well have another host playing his wife um, I don't <laughs> think it takes he's... three days to render yes exactly <laughs> you know <so> like <laughs> absolutely like that you know they can they can whip one up lickety split if um, if push comes to shove <laughs> so I, I I don't I think she's probably a host as well if I were guessing yeah like it makes sense to sort of actualize his 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 drive or his memory whereas you wouldn't really do that with the other 
hosts in the park, like Teddy's mysterious background, didn't need a, an actualization. It was just in his mind for a, for the longest time. Yeah. Whereas Bernard is like sort of backstage and he's like hearing about hosts. He's designing their behavior. Like he sort of needs a little bit extra to convince him that he's not a host. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He need he needs uh, a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra sauce to uh, bit of to, extra vinegar. Bit of extra, yeah. Bit of extra vinegar to stop him from <laughs> from guessing things. Um, I. I Again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I am fascinated to see where his character goes after this, because um, I guess maybe he just won't remember what happens at the end of this episode, or <laughs> maybe he normal. will. I don't. Mm, either way, it's not good. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Happens the que- at the, end of the this question episode. is: did, did he get the update of the reveries too? Yeah, that is a good point, and I mean, why wouldn't he? I guess you know it's all the it's all the first generation hosts uh, who who got it it's with the reverie. So was it literally every host? I think it was just a general software update. Yeah, well they didn't get around everyone yet, but yeah, a lot of them did. I, I mean, think it, it wasn't necessarily yeah, just on them. I would assume, I would assume he probably did, which makes me wonder yeah. what his reveries were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, okay, cool. So he goes into work and he goes and talks to Hector. Yep. Um, Hector's, uh, Hector. Hector's tasteful nihilism on display once again in this <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> yeah, market tested uh, to appeal to uh, people who want uh, a bad boy with a heart of gold. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what he is. Old Xerxes himself. Mm. He actually um, said, uh, you know, he actually is getting questioned because uh, a, a, uh, a guest to the park told him that he's gonna like I don't know cut something off and put him on the hood of his car I didn't catch quite what so it was along those lines yeah um which I there aren't good people that visit this park and like I, I I don't like the idea that they're getting talked to like that by <laughs> by insane people and they're not like cracking down on it or banning those people from the park uh but yeah so mm. yeah but I mean it hasn't <clears throat> it hasn't uh, seemingly affected uh hector's kind of cognition um it seems like this is part of their sweep of going through the first i think that maybe i've misunderstood this but it's to me they're going through the first generation host to check them for arnold's stuff that's fucked everything up uh based on the revelations from the previous episode so i'm assuming this is kind of confirming that hector is a first generation host as well i'm not actually 100 percent sure about that you might be right um that's uh I just was assuming this was like a post, a post-game uh, deconstruction mm. of what happened in terms of re- people referencing the outside world to him, and, okay. and uh, what Bernard's doing is just making sure that it, that that didn't set him on a path he shouldn't have. Maybe this because yeah. he's a, uh, a first-generation host, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I, I do like the the safety net here of I'm going to show Hector some pictures of trains and see what he says, and as long as he didn't say anything weird that's fine like that passes the checks which yeah but also trains exist in this world like yes it's a little more sleek <laughs> yeah. looking so do cities you know i mean admittedly they don't yeah. look like the city there but i mean like you know new york existed uh, at this at this time you know it would have been a bit it would have been a big city I, I yeah it seems seems odd to to show them that rather than like i don't know an airplane <laughs> i would i would love to see the code 
that they put into these hosts' brains, which makes them recognize what a city of the time is when they see a picture of it, but not a city of modern day. Like, how do they see that and, and say, it doesn't look like anything to me? Yeah. But then on the old city, they'd be like, hey, that's New York. Yeah, I heard one, once had a sister who went there one time. You know, I don't really yeah. get how they... Just like number that. of lights, probably. It was like, yeah. there's too many people in that one. It couldn't possibly be a real thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, also a little bit of tidbit here is that management wa- wants Hector. That's one thing. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll find out why. And then the other thing is that Elsie has started leave today, apparently. Yes, she's left so, her mortal life and <laughs> won't be back. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all expenses paid. Yeah, all ex- yeah. They've they, they they've spared no expense. They've sent her on away to the afterlife because Elsie yeah. is not coming back. Uh, I I actually don't know if I if she might. My rule of character deaths is normally if you don't see them die, they're probably not actually dead. But I do mm-hmm. think Elsie is tied up in a cave somewhere with a uh, with a uh, like a what are the, what, do we, what do you put in people's mouths? Like a gag in sock. her mouth, yeah, or a sock or whatever in her mouth, and probably like a tasteful bit of blood on the temple or something like that, just to let you know that she's <laughs> been roughed up. Uh, and yeah, she'll yeah. probably she'll probably turn up at the end of this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's hoping. I do like Elsie. So, yeah. Me too. Um, all right, uh, next scene, a bit of poker going on uh, yeah. between William and Dolores. Well, Dolores doesn't want to play, actually. Uh, no. Lawrence is playing, though. Uh, El Lazo. Um, seems like El Lazo's winning to me. Um, well, he... I'm trying to remember what the first hand that we see is. Doesn't William bluff him out or something? Uh... Well, uh, I, don't, I actually I can't remember. You're right, actually. William was kind of bluffing. But I can't remember if Lawrence folded or maybe. Yeah, I don't. I I don't remember. But I mean, it seemed. I wonder how the gambling works in Westworld, actually, because presumably it's real money. So could you like just go in and like fleece the park for like a million dollars? Yeah. Like, can you come out with more money than you went in? Yeah. You just can go, exchange just it back. Go, in yeah. Go in and money. make your money back in on the poker scene in Sweetwater and uh, yeah. and Pariah. Um, but I mean, clearly, if William is indeed losing, he's not doing that. But I mean, he's a charitable spirit um, who, you know, doesn't doesn't wish to take anything from from the hosts, as we find out. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to make that joke. I was, <laughs> he took something from a host. I, 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 I know what you're saying. He gave something to a host. I think is is the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, although on on this loop, it, it may have been her virginity. We never know. We'll never know. Um, yes. Um, okay. And then and then Dolores sees something out the window, and we get our get hints at the, the Ghost Nation natives, which is very cool. Yes. So we're they're in Ghost Nation territory now. <coughs> Apparently, the only safe way to get through is with a train uh, because mm. if you if you are on foot or on horseback, you won't last an hour. Apparently, they are the most savage tribe there is. Yes. Um, so I, I quite I quite like this the the kind of realization of this tribe of natives because um, it feels like it was written by Lee Sizemore, uh, which I think is entirely intentional. Not to say that from what we see of them, it's you know maybe there's going to be more more depth to, to to these natives than than we see in this episode. But the initial presentation of the Ghost Nation is like a kind of 40s western style savages mm. 
who scout people, you know, have very little culture themselves, very warlike. It's a very, it seems like a very kind of stereotypical offensive depiction of, of Native Americans. And that yeah. feels like some, that very much feels like a kind of a, a race of people that Lee, an English white guy who uh, like only knows uh, natives from, from Westerns that he's seen would write, which feels very believable mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, yeah, it does to me as well. The thing is, as well, you have to think. I'm thinking about is that this is really the only community of Native Americans that we've seen in the show. Whereas, mm. like, and they're they're the savages, you know. So they haven't actually had. Maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't I haven't really noticed, you know, many communities of Native Americans. Maybe there's been one or two in the there, background there here the, and there. The one with the doll, but I don't know if that was also mm. a Ghost Nation. They had like the the the, the yes, um, right the hazmat suit doll. But I'm not sure if that was a Ghost Nation child or, or another unnamed. Um, uh, I was, I was a member of the cult of uh, Wyatt, but I don't know if they were. Some they could they could have been Native American. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like, so basically, the the main uh, portrayal of Native American people in this is just the savages yes. so far. So, yeah, hundred percent, very believable. Lee Sizemore comes over and says, "I've seen a few westerns. I know what to do. Yeah, I've um, seen Bone Tomahawk. I'm gonna make yeah. them all like that." Um, and yeah, yep. you know, it, it's kind of, and in in a way, it's almost like a kind of a, a get out of jail free card for any bad writing because they're like, listen, it wasn't us, it was Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make the writer of of the narratives an absolute fool, and then we can get away with anything. <laughs> yeah. He literally pissed on the map. Yeah, uh, he did. Okay. All right, so Dolores is trying to locate Elsie on his tablet. Oh, Bernard. Uh, you said. Did I say Dol? Dolores. Dolores might be as well. We don't know what she's up to. Yeah, Dolores is Bernard. (laughs) Finally, we've cracked the code. (laughs) Yeah, okay, Jesus Christ. Uh, Okay, so yeah, Bernard is looking up... is looking up Elsie. Yeah, so so, uh, just to briefly interject that this does... Well, hmm... So this when uh, when this happened at the time, this put a bit of a sizable hole in my Bernard did it theory. Because uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but last week I was I, I was yeah. kind of speculating at who I thought was getting it. And I thought, oh, Bernard would be an interesting twist because he's the one who's getting the phone call, or uh, the lesser Hemsworth. Um, yeah. But I, he, I don't know. He continues to seem like a pretty one-note character. To be honest, I'd be surprised if it's him. Um, the yeah. fact that Bernard is unaware of Elsie's location because he's looking for it in private did put a bit of a hole in it. But then, actually, on reflection, it does make me wonder whether. Maybe based on what we learn at the end of this episode, he did it on instruction from someone else and doesn't remember what happened and will also mm. not remember what he done did to Teresa and her and her skull <laughs> at, the end of, <laughs> at the end of this episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so in the next episode, he, he might be having this little tablet looking for Teresa. Yeah, he'll um, go and knock on her with like a bottle of wine and some flowers and be like, time for love. And then just sit in her room for eight hours. Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll just wait and see. I think I think that theory is sort of still alive and well, you know, just because yeah. he's doing this here. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not sure yet, so we'll wait and see. Um no, nowhere to be seen anyway. So she he goes to to look for Teresa. Now Teresa's having this sort of skulky meeting with someone mm. uh, when he arrives, and then he walks up and talks to her, and basically he's saying that the investigation is over, and he's basically just like trying to sort of say everything's fine, everything's fine, I've dealt with it, um, and she seems to be pretty happy about this, although. Um, not actually that happy about it, considering what happens later in the episode. 
Y- yes, I think she. I, I it's interesting with Teresa because she's kind of, to a certain extent, and and I, I I'm going to preface this by saying obviously her character did not deserve to die or suffer physical harm for doing this, but she does kind of make her bed a little bit in this episode um, mm-hmm. by get it by. She's forced to make a choice between the board and Ford and Bernard, and she does mm-hmm. choose the board. Um, and yep. unfortunately, that turns out turns out to be the wrong choice. But actually, I wonder if there was even a right choice because I have some thoughts about Tessa Thompson's character in this. Um, Charlotte Hale. Charlotte. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some interesting things going on about that with that character, which we'll get to very soon. Soon, actually, because we're mm. almost there. So, in the next scene, uh, Teresa goes looking. Oh, she's been called up to management to go for a meeting. Um, and we get a little shot as it goes by. I wanted to mention of the windows in the side of the rock. What do you think about that? Um, like yeah, this is where their their headquarters are. They're in in these big things. Yeah, it's it's really it's really weird. It's like um, I I don't know why. I guess it's just like a vista for you know for you know a nice view rather than necessarily like an observation deck of something below. But it is very it's very striking and seems yeah. structurally worrying as well having that much wood uh, that much wood that much rock above glass but i'm sure it's fine it's quite doctor evil isn't it it is it's very <laughs> yeah. it's very much like i mean they, we don't see the full uh mountainside that it's carved out of but it wouldn't surprise me if they had shaped it into like a skull frankly <laughs> doctor evil like this <laughs> anthony hopkins <laughs> with his pinky uh, to that would be to great why do they not do? Ah, uh, they should do. They should make an, a new series of Westworld and set it in like Austin Powers sixties era Britain. Yeah, baby. Uh, okay, so um, Tessa Thompson's character opens the door. Yeah. Hector is tied to the bed. She's been having a bit of fun with him. Yeah. Um, and Teresa's like, "Oh, I thought I thought I was called up here for a meeting." She's like, "You were." Yeah. Um, and I've got one. I've got this in, initial entrance way of this scene where they're walking into the room. I've got one note for it. Go on. Big dick energy that's what she's got yeah because she's completely billy bollocks uh like she's <laughs> she, she she walks up like naked as the day she was born and i think we've not really seen i guess we get the introduction with lee's character to a certain extent um but but i feel like this is really the moment where the show wants us to draw conclusions about the kind of character she is going to be i, I think you don't present mm-hmm. a character as being particularly a woman um but um but but anyone really being very openly sexual very openly naked um and very forthright in threats that they issue without that meaning something for how you're going to treat their character so i think Mm -hmm. like my interpretation of this is that charlotte is kind of a creature of urges who will do what she wants when she wants and won't stop for just about anyone, which certainly is consistent with her position in the company, you know, as a as a member of the board, that seems mm-hmm. like the kind of behaviour you'd associate with with a high ranking person in a company. And I I had a kind of shoot from the hip theory as soon as I saw this. I was like, this seems like the kind of character who's going to kill someone at some point in, in this series, <laughs> uh, because I feel like you don't establish this kind of like wanton disregard for other people and uh, and and you know the, the putting first of their own wishes without it developing into something else. So that uh, that was my thought about her character as soon as I saw her. Here. 
Well, actually, we could talk about that. It's interesting that, that theory of yours. We could talk about this now because otherwise there'll be so much to talk about at the end. Yeah. But uh, she mentions here that they're, they're going to require a blood sacrifice. Yes. And then at the end, Ford mentions that as well. Now, do you take from that that they are in some way aligned or do you take that from that that Ford just knew her plan? No, I did think about that and I think Ford just knows and is throwing it back in Teresa's face. I think it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's him saying he warned her he warned Teresa not to get in his way and her little blood sacrifice is going to happen but it's not going to derail his narrative and it's not going to be who she thinks it is and obviously and I do actually wonder what so there's a couple of interesting things here first off is that just to get it out of the way um Charlotte mentions that um the code base like the the intellectual property she calls it Mm -hmm. for the host only exists here nowhere else so that was a theory of that was one of my theories of multiple parks existing out the window um then this idea of a blood sacrifice i kind of i was going back and forth on whether she literally meant it as someone is going to have to get hurt or killed by a host in this new narrative to put the kibosh on four's new narrative or whether it was more kind of just a dramatic way of talking about someone's gonna have to get fired or let go Mm -hmm. to 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 put a stop to this i'm still not sure which side of that i fall on but i think given how charlotte is presented it might be that they literally did mean someone's gonna have to get hurt for this to for this to to it's just it's an interesting way to put it isn't it like if they did mean just bernard's gonna get fired um it's it's an interesting way it's an interesting way to put it, like yeah. a blood sacrifice. A little bit hyperbolic, to be honest yeah. with you. Well, and it comes um, back to uh, <laughs> comes back to haunt. <laughs> I think it's fair to yeah. say fair to say that 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 air of the the theatrical does not do Teresa any favors by the end of this episode. I mean, Teresa really didn't have a good episode here. Let's be no, honest. No, like, she did. She um, was running. She was had a tail between her legs for most of the episode, running around, and then it didn't end well. No, I, I, I love the line from Charlotte Hale where she says, I like you. I mean, not personally, but... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> that was a real, like, always sunny in Philadelphia kind of yeah. line that, where, like, someone's just being a complete cock, but at least they're kind of <laughs> honest about it. So it's, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. it's almost respectable. Yeah, exactly. We also get the idea that the thing they're worried about is if he's, he's going to retire, Ford's going to retire, he'll snap his fingers Um and basically just destroy yeah, everything. Just bur- burn it all down. Um, yeah. Which I do... He does have the ego to do that, I think, as a character. I, I think if he was if he was ousted, he would take some getting rid of and he would do mm. his way out. Okay, awesome. Uh, next up, we have Maeve waking up again. Yep, she's a supercomputer um, now. She's a supercomputer. She wakes up. She actually doesn't want to listen to the music this morning. Sorry, Conrad. No, I know, but I, I mean, it's not, this one wasn't a Radiohead song, I don't believe, although someone can correct me, I believe, I believe uh, Stephen Crummy uh, pointed out another Radiohead song that I missed in uh, in the last episode, so maybe this mm-hmm. one is one that I'm just not, uh, not familiar This one with. has been coming back an awful lot, so this yeah. might just be like a theme that they've chosen for the morning time. I, d- I didn't spot any, not not to get ahead of ourselves again, but I didn't spot any uh, licensed music in this episode actually. But uh, yeah, she like Maeve is done with music today. It's not a music listening kind of day. Um, she has she, she's woken up uh, like she's suddenly Superman, and I feel like she can hear birds chirping like fifty <laughs> yeah. miles away, and uh, and and she just wants to plan now and uh, and scheme. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, she's also on high alert. Uh, yes. Because everyone gets frozen except she doesn't. Like she doesn't even have to wake us up anymore. She's just like not affected by their commands yes. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, which is which is amazing. Yeah, um, it, it is good. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, based on what we see of Clementine later in this episode, it's a bit like, well, this is gonna go poorly for someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Clementine actually gets taken away by the spacemen, uh, mm. um, and Maeve was holding a knife like she was going to attack them because she thought they were coming for her. Yeah, she was um, going to cut them up. <laughs> she was going to cut them up, but uh, luckily they did not. Oh, actually, probably unluckily because if she if they did come for her, she cut them up. At least Clementine would still be about, but nope. Uh, <laughs> Poor old Clementine. Yeah, she one, flu- she, uh... one flew over the Clementine there. I think. Yeah, she. I. I... We'll, we'll discuss that in a few scenes time properly but yeah. um that's a that's a character death if it is indeed a character death that runs the risk of kind of flying under the radar <laughs> because of what <laughs> happens at the end of this episode yeah yeah it's like it's it's like um it's it, it's it's like what happened in the football world in the last couple of days yes uh, exactly like manchester city back. signed jack jack Grealish for a hundred million pounds biggest english tra- transfer uh, uh number ever and then Lionel Messi just <laughs> announces that he's leaving Barcelona. Yeah. It's great. Everyone and everyone just immediately forgets he's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Uh okay, so um now we're into Dolores and William again. Um interesting interesting um development here, I think. Um so basically William is becoming infatuated with uh Dolores to the point where he is seeing what he could be in this park. Yes. Um, he's, he's, he says things like when he was young, he had lots of books and it wasn't until he got, he always wanted to be inside the books, but it wasn't until he got here that he feels like he works up inside of one of his child, childhood story books. Yeah. Uh, and then Dolores says, well, I don't want to be in a story. Um, so what do you think about this developing uh, relationship between these two? Um, I think it's very risky. I th- and, I, and it's really well done, actually. I, I, I really like, the way they've kind of um, they they haven't like shifted the power dynamic fully yet, um, but William's infatuation with Dolores, and I would say he is by the end of this episode, he is fully infatuated with her. He's kind of so is, is his wife uh, or his his fiance? Is she called Juliet? Did I hear that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Juliet. Juliet. Um, so he is he he tries to do the right thing, I guess, but. Um, is kind of overcome by his feelings for Dolores and feels that this is it, it, it's 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 a really interesting kind of like depiction of I guess it's like a codependent relationship where he is he is infatuated with Dolores but he's actually more interested in her because of how she makes him uh like what what it what it brings out in himself how he feels mm-hmm. like himself in this place and I think what I expect us to see of William's character is as this relationship progresses for him to compromise more and more of, him, uh, of himself in his attempts to keep Dolores and, and protect her. Um, and I, I think we could see the the sort of white hat William uh, who, you know, was very, very clear and principled mm-hmm. at the point that he arrived in the park perhaps shift more to a a darker a darker middle ground or, or maybe even mm-hmm. further than that as the story goes on yeah like he's he's starting yeah he's starting to sort of become himself in his own words which is a bit sad actually because he's he is he's such a lovely fella 
And uh, yeah. if, he's, if, if he lets his true self out or what he says is his true self, it's sort of going down darker roads, as you say. So yeah, it's definitely to see seems, where he goes. He definitely seems like he ha- he's willing to compromise maybe some of his uh, principles that he claimed to have in pursuit of this romance, which is going to be interesting, but also quite dangerous, I think. And, you know, Dolores is... Dolores has got her own stuff going on as well, which which could be which could be troubling for old William. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I just want to say that you know this actor Jimmy Simpson, I think his name is. He was they, you know, it's always Sonny rang him up and said, "Hey, do you want to come back for you know do a couple of episodes with us this season? You know, drink milk and act like really disgusting." Uh, he's like, I'd love to, but I'm actually going to go to Westworld and, uh, you know, be the star of the show, get the girl. And, you know, what a, what a career this man has turned out yeah. to have here. Yeah, well, he, he was in, um, I think before this as well, he was in, I, I don't know how long he was because I didn't watch that much of it, but he was in Mr. Robot as well. So he definitely mm. progressed from, not not to say, you know, It's Always Sunny is is low tier. Like, I love always, It's Always Sunny. But but, oh, yeah. he, but in terms of, like, prestige television, he definitely, like, is 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 ascending that totem pole. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in movies at some point because he's he's obviously got a huge amount of range as a as an actor. Yeah, he's also he was in a movie back in the day, uh back early two thousands, he was in the film Loser with Jason Biggs. Oh amazing. Well there you go. The 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 song that or the movie that no one remembers except for the song Teenage Her Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Great film. Great film. Yeah. Uh okay, so uh they do, they do, they do get it on, so to speak. We'll, we'll, we'll call, we'll get, we'll leave, them, leave them alone for a bit, yeah, Conrad. Fade we'll, away. We'll, we'll, They're getting hot yeah, and heavy, we'll, and we'll leave them to yeah. it in their armored car. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back after the coitus. Uh, okay, so um, this scene with uh, Charlotte Hale and Ford and the dynamics here, I yeah. really like this scene. I think this was a really awesome scene. So basically, yeah. Charlotte and Teresa bring in. Uh, Ford and uh, Bernard, and they're go and they're sort of showing them something that's went wrong with Clementine. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's pretty pretty big problem with Clementine, to be honest. Well, it is a big problem with Clementine, but based on what Bernard says later, it seems like this is actually really interesting. There's so many layers to this, right? Because Bernard says to Teresa later that he could clearly see through this charade and it was clearly wrong. But the fact of the matter is that was Bernard when he was leading her to Ford. So yeah. he was probably just talking I Yeah, I, I, I don't believe... It's hard because I don't... The thing with Bernard is I don't think he is a dishonest character. And I think that while he was... Le- I, I don't think he knew what he was doing when he was leading her to Ford mm-hmm. necessarily. I think he was acting on what he interpreted... Uh, as an impulse uh, yeah. but he didn't quite realise what that impulse was leading to until it actually happened. So I do I do believe him that there's an element of pageantry to this um, but uh, but I think it, it, in terms of the effectiveness of the scene between Clementine and the, the guy who, yeah. who who beats her up and who then is is beaten up in kind um, it's, it's a real kind of whiplash moment where and this show is really good at them actually where suddenly things just get really violent and you're kind of reminded yeah. it's almost like um it, it, it is a bit kind of Jurassic Parky and obviously you know Michael Crichton wrote the wrote the, the book that this is based on uh in the sense that occasionally you are reminded that these are wild animals and they mm. can do uh, uh very significant damage to you and in, in Westworld you are occasionally reminded that these things are very strong 
very intelligent and perfectly capable of harming you if things go wrong and i think that's what you kind of get in this scene in the early part of this scene where first clementine who you know is a character that we know and love just um you know is is brutally assaulted and then immediately just gets her own back with some moves that i don't know where they came from that's the bit i think that is is kind of farcical that she's learned like karate or whatever <laughs> or like <laughs> M- learned learned mma in in the uh brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever in based the, based on week. based on the moves he did to her or she remembered yeah she just like was able to do this like why did they if they if they wanted her just to be like sort of a helpless prostitute who's saving money for her family why didn't they not give her karate skills yeah that was that would have been the the, the thing to do like is yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe don't let all of them know martial arts but i think that is actually the part if we if you reflect upon what we've seen so far like the weapons privileges for the woodcutter and stuff like yeah, all those karate privileges stuff. yeah there's no way they have karate privileges there's no way <laughs> like, it's just, it has to have been the, the board getting involved here yeah i just love the idea of karate privileges <laughs> maybe maybe mave did it maybe mave would have she was like you know pop it up to 20 she's like yeah clement she just randomly like clementine put her karate skills up to 20. yeah we missed a scene where they like they were doing like a mulan style training sequence in the brothel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh god shame we missed it uh so anyway uh we've got the lesser hemsworth he gets another little scene here he's been it's been he's been out for a while actually he, he's do, he's doing his like chris pratt like blue thing like he's he's doing he's, he's putting his arm up like this like settle settle <laughs> yeah. like, she's, not, she's not a fucking dog <laughs> like just you know, be- you know this is this is basically the story of joe exotic like this is like from tiger <laughs> king like he this they're in the this this uh, enclosure with this tiger and and like all of them are like you know this guy actually has his head screwed on whereas the rest of them are like you know no they're my best friends i've had them since they were babies it's like they're gonna fucking kill you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now this i mean it, i i do feel like um the lesser hamsworth is actually you know one of the one of the more reasonable characters in this situation and it's just like yeah i'm just gonna shoot clementine actually um <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's still, you know, he the, the the way he acts is so funny because it's just like, you know, Clementine doesn't look particularly dangerous. You know, she's wearing her, I don't know what the what those outfits are called that they wear in like old old timey kind of Western brothels. You know, like the the frilly lacy things. Yeah, I don't um, know. But uh, but Ava, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get her on. She would know. Uh, she would. But know. she's wearing one of those. She doesn't like a threat, and yet he treats her like a like a tiger. He does, he does. Uh, you know, a little bit of stripes to the uniform. You never know. But uh, yeah. basic, basically, there's a little bit of science mumbo jumbo here as well. It kind of makes sense. Is that because these reveries like change things? So as as they keep remembering things, keep remembering things, and go through the cycles, eventually it uh, leads to the overruling of like the primary rule set. Yeah. So like the, the like the primary rule set, which we know is one of them, is like they they don't hurt humans yeah. um so it can lead to that being overruled um yeah so it's essentially yeah. that like well my understanding of it was because the reveries rely upon them having memories um mm-hmm. it allows them to essentially remember all of the trauma that is inflicted to them by hosts or other people and then yeah circumvent that core programming um somehow which mm. that's fine i'm less bothered about that than some of the techno mumbo jumbo we've had in the previous two episodes to be honest because i was like you know what 
oh, that's fine. I don't know what your code base looks like. <laughs> that's, that seems that seems like a real a real problem. But whatever, you know, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge your code. It's just broken, just broken code, yeah. basically. Um, somehow they're still able to function, even though now, the, the core ha- rule set are broken. I had a question for you here. Okay. At the end of this scene, does Bernard take the fall for fall? Is this what this is? Because it's what it feels like to me. Yes. Like um, he has an opportunity to be like, well, he's the one who fucking did it. Like, <laughs> like to- yeah. So I, I took it that way too. Like he, he sort of, he doesn't rat him out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he doesn't, doesn't yet anyway. Yeah, so I wonder if that is again. It's all the end of this episode is balls everything up because now I'm just like, well, how much of this is him doing it? I, I guess you know this is the question at the very center of Westworld as a show, but it, but it asks the question, you know, who, how much of this is his own free will talking, and how much of this is he mm-hmm. is he doing under instruction from Ford? Uh, I, I I I simply don't know. But um, if Ford maybe did- it's just like a, it's in the core uh, mechanics of him too. Maybe he can't speak against Ford. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why. Maybe, maybe. That's why the whole time, even like whenever whenever Elsie was saying about Ford at the beginning of the thing, saying he's crazy, he's crazy. You know? And but I was always like, let me go talk to him. Yeah. You know, it, and he he just never actually spoke against him. You know? Yeah, it could easily be that. I mean, you know, you've got characters like Teddy who will not let him be physically harmed. It stands to reason that there are characters like Bernard who while also not letting him be physically harmed, uh, will also uh, defend him in a kind of political... Yep, exactly. So, there was a moment of passion between William and Dolores. Oh. It's, it's, it goes without saying. Yeah. But in the morning, he doesn't regret it. He is kissing her again. He's saying, you know, I, I really found who I am. I love the look on Logan's face when I you know, ran away from him or whatever. Um, Dolores is unlike any woman that he's ever been with. Um, I mean, and that's true. he said. I think it was something like, uh, yeah, I, I know, I know. But it, I think there was there was something. I can't remember the actual setup to it, but it was something like, you know, you unlock parts of me that I never knew, thought was there, or something like that. And then Dolores says, "I'm not a key, William." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, he keeps it, saying these things, you know. He, it's a da- it is a dangerous relationship because he's he he is infatuated with her, but he doesn't. It's it's an interesting. It, it reminds me a lot, actually, of the the movie. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, um, Ex Machina. I haven't seen it, but, with, I, but with, I I know of it. Yeah. So Donald it's Gleason. it's Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac, and basically, I won't give mm. anything away, but Donald Gleason is like a low, I think he's a low level employee of, of like a tech company, and they do a competition or something where like the sort of reclusive billionaire owner invites someone to come and stay with him, and it's revealed that he has an AI robot living with him, and it's essentially about mm different kinds of possess- possessiveness and Oscar Isaacs is very overt you know he's like this is my robot she's my property etc etc whereas Donald Gleason falls in love with her and um, tries to exert his will on her in a more um, what's the word I'm looking for he, he do- he's not malicious about it he's not trying to be controlling but he still is trying to control her actions and I feel like mm-hmm. William is kind of slipping into that role here a bit as well where he has talked a good game up until quite recently about how, you know, he doesn't want to make the hosts do anything they don't want to do. He doesn't want to control them. He doesn't want to kind of subject mm-hmm. them to what everyone else in the park does. And yet, at this moment, even though Dolores is willing, sexually speaking here and, and, mm-hmm. and romantically speaking, he is still projecting onto her the expectation that she will help him 
self-realize uh, and, yep. and and become the man that he thinks he actually is um, yeah which is a really risky thing to do in, in any relationship let alone with a fucking murderous robot frankly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like he's using her as a tool for his own yeah his his own like development he yeah. sees her as less of a person than he did at the start of this story i think uh um, yeah and i think that's that relationship is only going to go in one direction from here yep yep okay interesting very interesting uh we do also get a moment where she's drawing and um she's like she's a sheet dra- or something is it like yeah she's, she's yeah what how Why on not? earth does she does she draw on that i don't even have the hand up the back or anything no, to give like, a bit of I, listen i went to a painting class not two weeks ago and i can tell you right now i'm a bad artist at the best of times drawing on an unsupported sheet with charcoal <laughs> unbelievable what like they, she's like a she's like one of the greatest artists of her age and they've got her locked away here well she's the perfect woman she's uh yeah, yeah that's true yeah you know, she's, they've literally programmed her, you know, uh, to be able to do this. You know, I don't know why they put in that she should be able to draw on an unsupported piece of material. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, Clementine got karate skills. Dolores yeah, that is skill, true. That know. is true. Yeah. Okay. So um, train time. So it goes outside. They got blocked by rocks. Somehow the Confederados got all the way, beat yep. the train. Beat the train. Uh, be, <laughs> beat the train. through. Like They've been on the train for a while now to the point where it's the next morning inside of Ghost Nation Country. Yeah, You shouldn't be able to last an, uh, an hour in Ghost yeah. Nation Country, but they have. They've actually managed to go down, put rocks on the train track, go back away again, and then come back yeah. to surprise <laughs> This is one of those moments in cinema where you just can't think too hard about what's happening because it doesn't make any goddamn sense, any of this. Um but I mean, I will say, I will, I, I, will, I accept all of those arguments that this is really fucking stupid because it is, um, <laughs> and I will respond to those by saying, yeah, but Alazo does get to say via Condios, motherfuckers, and then shoot a body full of nitroglycerin and blow them all up, which is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Oh, I will say, my first thought, whenever this happened, was didn't work as well as it could have like, no, let's be honest no like, it doesn't at all like that's it's a pretty poor explosion all things considered uh and, and, and you know i'm not a scientist i don't know what filling a body with nitroglycerin will do um <laughs> but i mean it, it, it I, I mean i suppose el lazo isn't a scientist either so it stands to reason that maybe maybe he thought this was going to be more spectacular than it than it uh than it actually was i will say that uh the <laughs> The image of a clearly dead body, weekend at Bernie's its way, weekend at Bernie's ing its way towards the Confederado lines, and not a single one of them being like, "That's clearly not dead." Like, they got like a pulley system set up where like Alazo's got like a fishing rod from the train that he's pulling, so it can like wave its hand, <laughs> like as it approaches. <laughs> Like, it's clearly not a living person. Yeah, it's like in uh, it's like in Home Alone, you know, like all the like the Michael Jordan cut out yeah, going yeah. by and everything. It's so good. It's so Listen, so. If stupid. the plan, if the plan was just to run away, why didn't they just get out of the train on the other side? Yeah, none of this makes sense. And like, basically, what the what the what happened here was they thought, ah, uh, it's been a little while since we've had like an action sequence. Let's bring that Gatling gun back for another <laughs> for another round. <laughs> also, apparently the Confederados don't care about getting their nitroglycerin back because they just start firing into the side of the train. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just going to kill everyone. I, I, yeah, yeah. You could have actually done two things, like kill them and get your, your stuff back that you needed to 
for the yeah. war effort, but okay, apparently not. Um, so yes, a, a chase ensues. Oh, um, yeah. So Dolores falls off the off the horse, gets on to, with William. They're riding, riding, riding. What I want to point out to you, Conrad, is when Ghost Nation arrive and start killing all the Confederados, right? There's a, a blink and you'll miss it moment. But I'm going to put the screenshot on the screen here. So anyone watch, uh, listen to this on YouTube, look at the screen. Okay. Look at William's little smile when he's watching these people get ripped apart from the Ghost Nation. <laughs> I didn't notice him smiling, to be honest. But, I mean, <laughs> I've said William is headed down a darker path. And maybe this is the moment where it's like, you know what? Logan was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like killing things, actually, as it turns out. It's really interesting that 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 decision to have him just sit and like smile, yeah. and I think Dolores is like, "Come on, William, let's go!" And he's just like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I remember I was going to watch these guys just get killed. Um, but yes, okay, so they're off. They're off. They they survive. The Confederados are long gone. Yeah. Um, and they make it to. It's really interesting. This has been set up like literally ten minutes ago. It's like, it's like immediately after the setup, you get it. Uh, the place that she drew, that she made up, yeah. according to her, um, is actually there. So this is the Grand Canyon, than... right? This must be the Grand Canyon that they're filming at. Oh, yeah, either that or just green screen, but yeah, yeah, it looks it looks like pretty pretty good. Like to be it's honest. just interesting that like the Grand Canyon doesn't exist in in the world of Westworld. <laughs> yeah, like the, well, it does actually because it's here, but uh, no one calls it that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they went out to the Grand Canyon. I'm not sure. Actually, um, whenever I was at the Grand Canyon, we like well, the, the part where we were, you could go right up to the edge, like they do in the show. But you could literally, no yeah. there was people sitting with their legs over the edge, right? And and I was like holding onto the rail of the thing, like going up and just like not even going like within the, not even within three meters of the edge. And I was like, yeah. oh my god, that's what I'd be. I, I I get vertigo when I'm like. 20 feet off the ground i i in like at the grand canyon i'm like nope i trust that it's there i can't <laughs> cannot cannot do this but but also how like i will say about the grand canyon right it is like everyone always says you when, see when see when you go like you will be all like dumbfounded at how big it is and i was like oh yeah fair enough fair enough i've seen i've seen it in films a lot it'd be fine when i went there i was honestly i was like what the hell this is huge it really <laughs> is it really is mental being there. But I will say, I've, uh, I was there like four years ago at this point. But in the last year or two, sadly, I've actually, like, Ema read it. She told me about it. P- the exact spot we were standing where we were afraid to go close, someone fell in over there and died. Oh, okay. So what are they, have they now put... They like, must be more... They must have to now. Yeah. But, but that someone actually did fall. And I, I was... I thought everyone was going to fall the day I was there. I was like, what are you doing? Like 14-year-olds taking selfies with the legs over the edge. I feel like if you let people just hang out on the edge of a, like a sheer drop down into an enormous canyon, it's only really a matter of time until someone falls in. So I'm kind of surprised that was even allowed then. But that's a shame. Um, I, Grand, Grand Canyon is one of those things that I would like absolutely love to see, but I would be very timid going to it because I do not do well with heights. Yeah, I didn't even want to do like the skywalk where you walk out over the glass bridge. Oh. I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to do, do that. Couldn't do it. Um, okay, so. Um... William decides to part ways with El Lazo, um, mm. and and they're going to go down into this sort of unclaimed land, um, which apparently Dolores remembers. I will say that whenever I, whenever I first watched this show and she was drawing a new place, I was like, oh my God, she's drawing a new place. She has an imagination now. Mm. And then like 10 minutes later, that thought was quelled because it was like, yeah. oh no, it's just like a memory or something. You know what I mean? So is the... 
I, I, I know this hasn't really been confirmed, so your your answer to this is probably just going to be silent. But I, when I saw this, I was like, Ford has been digging out a big old canyon. Is that what this is? Because this looks very, this looks a lot older than you know the the disturbed ground that Ford is plowing out. But maybe they're reseeding it with you know trees and stuff as they go. Um, so that, I mean, that was my thinking as 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 the Grand Canyon was revealed. Mm, I'm not going to say either way, but I will say that, um, like this, the, throughout like the little dialogue of the hosts, like the inbuilt dialogue, as well as like the, the image you see of that map and the, oh, sorry, the maze yeah. you see, um, whatever you, like all that, all that stuff that sort of keeps recurring in their lives, almost pointing them in, in a place, maybe Teddy saying that he's going to take her to a place where the water meets whatever, maybe him saying that to her is sort of trying to point her in this direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they all have aspects in their storylines which try and point them to a certain thing. Yeah, I, I, I wonder... I think that probably is true because there does seem... There's, there's certainly an element of Bernard and, and by extension probably a Ford as well that wants them to escape, that wants to see what happens once they kind of realise where they are and what they're doing. Um, mm. That kind of like... It's not even morbid curiosity, I guess. It's more just fascination with having potentially created sentient life. Um, so yeah, I think that that I think that probably is the case that they're all being led to to whatever it is he's creating. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So only a couple of scenes left. This next one is uh, basically <laughs> Maeve wakes up again yep. under Felix's care, and then Felix uh, she demands Felix take uh take her up to uh where clementine is yeah. there's a few things that happen here uh felix says which i love he goes i can't go up there the brass are up there yeah. like the, so the term the brass i thought was funny yeah um you know, i love i love felix pulling that one out but uh also i love that maybe just like you don't want to fuck with me felix yeah take me there now felix is like Felix picking this moment to be like, actually, I think this might not be a good idea. It's like you've already the the toothpaste is out of the tube, Felix. Like you can't, <laughs> you've met, you've decided that this is what you're gonna do. You can't just be like, actually, can you just go back to being a robot, a sex robot now, <laughs> please, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you know to to compound the misery, Maeve has to watch her friend be lobotomized. <laughs> which is probably not going to endear her to any of the humans who work at Westworld, I'm assuming. Definitely not Sylvester, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, Syl- <laughs> it had to be Sylvester doing it, didn't it? Yeah, um, th- there was uh, there was like a, the Benny Hill theme playing in my head when he was like, the look on his face when he was like, oh, I've got to lobotomize Clementine while Maeve is watching. This isn't going to end well for me. <laughs> it's like, no, it is not, Sylvester. I suspect you will not make it far in this line of work. Oh my god! Just Felix walking around a naked Maeve everywhere. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how it's like it's absolutely mental. Like, see, if I, if I was Felix, I would just be like, I quit, yeah. I quit, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, like, I would just, I would just see my death, my death being imminent at this point. Um, yeah, like as a supercomputer robot who has just watched you commit a hor- horrific act of violence on her best friend. Do you just leave? Just hand in your P forty five and get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> P45. Uh okay, so Bernard uh comes up to Theresa as we said before and says the test was a sham. Uh tells tells uh, her that he knows about the satellite transmission. Love her face. Yes. I love her face when he does that. I thought the actress did a great job in showing just absolute like 
I had kind of embarrassment, fear, load of different emotions in, but it was probably like I've been caught out, you know. I, I um, do wonder if she has like so when I when I first saw that, I was like, I wonder if she's being set up with that as well. Because um, as I said before, she just. I totally agree with you that that's what her face read like to me, but she doesn't. Well, seem Charlotte like the mentioned kind of it earlier. Um, Charlotte oh, mentioned it earlier, saying that's why we want the data out of the park because we can't have it be only here. Oh, maybe I missed that. Okay, it's fine because I was still thinking at this point that Teresa just doesn't seem like the kind, the type to you know c- commit corporate espionage. Um, but uh, but yeah, if Charlotte mentioned it, I guess I probably just just missed the build <clears throat> to that reveal. But she's also not actually uh, committing corporate es- espionage because it's her, her own board asking her to do yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in her mind, it's very easy to convince yourself that it's a moral thing. Um, okay, so um, Bernard says that the hosts were on the verge of some sort of change. Uh, she puts her hand on his arm, blah, blah, blah. They go to the house. Yes. So as soon as, we, as, soon as I see them coming up in the kind of British woodland... Uh, my first thought was, as I'll get, I'll give you a kind of play-by-play of what what old Conrad's brain was doing as this was going on. So my first thought, and I'm going to be honest here, was that oh, is he going to get the Scottish guy to hurt her because like he didn't because he doesn't his voice commands didn't work on the Scottish guy. Oh, um, yeah. So I was like, maybe he's going to do something with the Scottish guy, like uh, uh, Ford's dad, to um, to get him. Then there's the moment where. They're in the house. It seems like it's empty. Yeah. Presumably the family have gone elsewhere. Been, yeah. um, and he talks about how the hosts do the mapping for them. Uh, which does seem a little bit like kind of inmates running the asylum, if you're just like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, they literally couldn't see this if they wanted, uh, if they wanted to. And then... There's a really interesting little moment, and maybe I misinterpreted yeah. this, but where Teresa is like, "Oh, what's behind this door?" and he and he just says, "What door?" and like, and it's and it's like, is he isn't? It's really well done because he's not really looking, so it comes. Yeah. It could just be, oh, he's kind of disinterested, um, and uh, and uh, you know, he, he's focusing on something else. But as soon as that moment happened, I was like, ah, fuck. But ah, like he's coming for you. Uh, he, yeah, he can't. You're see exactly. The door. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And the thing is, as well, I'm pretty sure that that is we've talked about before, especially in the show uh, Dark. We've talked about before, like you know, there's a lot of subtle clues leading up to reveals. But right before the actual reveal, they lay it on a plate for you, yeah. just so you can still feel like you got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They 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 set it up for you and let you spike it, and then. Um, this is, you know, this remote diagnostic facility is also where he's been talking to Dolores, which uh, to me says that none of that has, that has happened yet because he didn't literally didn't know this was here. Uh, mm. So every conversation he's had with Dolores, I guess, is is technically yet to happen, um, which changes my perspective of Dolores as a character a lot, actually. Um, you know where where she where she is uh, at the moment to where she will eventually get to based on the conversation she's having with with uh, Bernard and what prompts those to start happening as well. But there's so many questions that come out of just just that aspect of this. Um, but then- we did see, sorry, Conrad, we did see her being taken out of the uh, like the sort of Day of the Dead style parade. We saw her being taken away from there and then talked to. So do you think those those two instances? Are not actually connected uh, 
in, in the same time? Or what are you talking about? I don't... I, I, but... I feel like every time we've seen Dolores have a conversation with Bernard in this room, it can't have happened because he doesn't know this is here. So, well, I guess, okay, I'll, I'll say... Oh, actually, potentially... Sorry, 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 I might be wrong. I think that she spoke to Ford at that moment when she was taken away there. E- oh, that, yeah, I think you're right. I think she does speak to Ford in that moment, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, uh, yeah, that's prob- that happened in the conversation she had with, uh, with, with the lesser Hemsworth, I think, earlier on. That's mm. happened. And I think I think she has actually had one conversation with Bernard that's in like the main kind of facility, uh, maybe in like the first or second that. episode. Um, yeah. So I think those have all happened, but the the bulk <clears throat> of the conversations she has had with Bernard, I think, are yet to happen at this point, which does make okay. me wonder when's that when's that going to come up, or maybe he just doesn't remember it, and I'm just reading too much into this uh, because he can't remember things that happened in this room because of memory blocks or whatever. Um, but then. We get the real money shot of this scene. That's right. It's Naked Bernard blueprint. Uh, if, <laughs> if you ever wanted to know what Naked Bernard looks like, you get... Well, you get half of it. You get half of the goods. Half the goods, half the inside of his body. <laughs> yeah. you know. Everyone's happy. <laughs> like, keeps, every, yeah. keeps everyone happy. Um, and, you know, he says it doesn't look like anything to me, which is... I think the door the door moment is, is them kind of like slapping you on the head and be like, oi... The, look, look, yeah. look, something's about to happen. And then the, it doesn't look like anything to me is their kind of like last call for getting on board with this theory because it's like you've got about yeah. five seconds before the reveal. Well, I suppose the reveal has already happened at this point because it's clearly Bernard in the blueprint. Um, <laughs> I, I also want to say the artist who drew this for the show was very kind to the actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we don't really know. He could be like that underneath there. Yeah, it could be. It if could I was be. in this uh, role, I'd be like, coming every t- like uh, up until this scene, I'd be visiting that artist every day, being like, let me see, <laughs> like, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then I'd be giving him tips. I'd be like, no, no, bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, make sure you get the 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 bone V. You yeah, know? make sure you get the bone get V. The, get know? the David Beckham abs there. That's what I want. And then bring him like pictures of like Chris Hemsworth's chest and be like, "That's what that's what this needs." <laughs> <laughs> He's done well. He's done well for himself, yep. right, Jeffrey. Right. Um, okay. Uh, so we've actually skipped the Maeve scene, but we'll go back to it after. So uh, okay. once you you see the picture. Um, you sort of hear Anthony Hopkins off off uh, off screen, and he says they can't see what will hurt them. I've spared them that. There was there was real evil guy, like bad guy oh. vibes in this scene from oh. Anthony Hopkins. Like he he he's um, Anthony Hopkins is a good villain at the be- at, like at, at all times. He's a great villain, um, and he properly plays the man who wants to you know play God freely in this scene yeah. so well. Um, and it's it's a great um, it's a great performance from uh, the actress who plays Teresa as well because I think it's pretty obvious that Ford Ford's mind is is already made up he already knows what he's going to do in this scene um, before before she even arrives really um, mm-hmm. and it's got that kind of slow creeping sense of dread both in kind of the tone of the scene and in the performance as she realizes like. Oh, like, I you might be in trouble here because you're like physically outnumbered by two two men here. Um, and then she, in 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 a classic line, 
Uh, and I would love to see the analysis of the number of times someone has uttered these words and either survived or kept their jobs, because I bet it's not it's not much. Uh, she says, the board won't stand for this, which I feel like <laughs> yeah. any time, whether it's like Catwoman getting thrown out of, a, like shortly before like Catwoman gets thrown out of a window <laughs> and like Batman returns yeah. or like anything like that. If you say the board won't stand for this, you're about to get killed most of the time or fired. But most of the time, I think you're about to get killed. Um, yeah. And so it is uh, with Teresa. And then, you know, we get the the return of the, uh, the blood sacrifice. Um, and then it's a really, yeah, it's a really kind of like inglorious death as well, which I think is really, really affecting as well. Oh, yeah. Just, just very brutal. And the way, the way that, um, is it Jeffrey Wright? You said the name of the actor. I think his name's up. Jeffrey Wright. Like his performance is actually really good as well. His his ability. I mean, this is a show that's full of people who have a great ability to switch their character at the drop of a hat to to mm-hmm. you know play uh, hosts when they are in their pretending to be real mode and hosts when they're in their like waiting to be commanded mode. And I think yeah, yeah, Bernard here. The, the, it really did like send a chill down my spine the moment where like it, um, I can't actually remember now what Ford says to him is it like take He's, care of it he says that, that's enough Bernard oh at the very ah uh, yes before he before um, he actually attacks her I, I, it's, it's, he doesn't actually explicitly say you know, yeah it's something as her. he as, as you know oh it's time for it now Bernard or you know I'm gonna go away now yeah. Bernard or something it's, it's something very interesting like that isn't it yeah but then like just the, the the facial expression drops you know he takes his tie off takes his jacket off just marches up to her and you know she she like begs for her life and he, and he just you know caves her head in against the wall and it's very like it's a it's a it's a horrible end to a relationship where two characters genuinely seem to have affection for each other despite their professional differences at times. Yeah, um, and, and Anthony Hopkins also says, "And in that sleep, what dreams may come." Uh, sort of very very creepy. He also says, um, "Now this is the moment we can go. We'll go to the uh, Maeve scene after this." But there's a moment where Anthony Hopkins really putting his villain persona on. He says, uh, the hosts are, are the ones who are free. Free here, under my control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a full-on Doctor Evil kind of line there. It's like there's no wiggle room for interpretation. It's like, okay, yeah, so the only person who could ever run this is you and you alone, and uh, you need absolute control in order to ensure that the hosts get what's best for them, which is demonstrably not true uh based on how they are treated and um and it's not true of the people who work for him either based on you mm-hmm. know what's happened to to what i suspect has happened to elsie and uh and, and what has just happened to Teresa here what's very interesting is that the way the show is sort of setting it up like i you say that like william is going through some changes and stuff but i i do still like him at this point yeah. but it is really setting it up that the only characters in this show that we're on the side of are the hosts, really. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I actually think I'm kind of on the man in black side. A yeah, yeah. Bit. We don't really know what his motives are yeah. yet, do we? I feel like the man in black. You know where you stand with the man in black. Like he, he's monstrous in what he does, but I, but he's at least honest about what he does. Uh, whereas I think the the duplicitous uh, or duplicity of of a lot of the human characters is what makes them so difficult to like. So, you know, uh, Charlotte is the kind of scumbag corporate type 
who mm-hmm. whose motives are unclear. Same goes for Lee. I guess you could say the security guy is very straightforward, but I don't. Sus- I don't. I feel like he's not going to be a very major character. Ford is just a bundle of insecurities and god complexes all rolled into one. Um, so yeah, I mean the host, the the person obviously apart from Teresa in this scene that I re- that I really felt for. Obviously, there's only three people in this scene, and I'm not going to feel for <laughs> Ford. But I mean, is is Bernard as well? You know, what happens to him when he wakes up and remembers what he's done or, or wakes up and doesn't mm. remember what he's done. It's just like, oh, Teresa's gone on leave with pay as well. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all going on leave. Eventually, he's just going to be there on his own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like looking around like, we've let a lot of people go on holiday at the same time, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who, who okayed this? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, we're gonna go to the Mave scene in a second, but I just, want, I just want to say that we've we've had our first reveal. We've had our first, yep. you know, p- person who we thought was a person is now a host. So like, is there going to be more Conrad? Is my question to you. Is there oh, any, I mean, there's, some, there's a, come on, yeah. there's got to, there's got to be. There's gonna be a f- people some... that we know now in the show is what I mean. All the characters we know now is there someone who is a human is who is actually a host still in there somewhere. Um. Maybe it'll happen with new characters we meet eventually, but is it going to happen with a character we already know? I, I actually, I feel like, I feel like they wouldn't pull this trick too many times because it would lose its, uh, it would lose its impact. So I think of the characters we have at the moment, I don't think any of those are also hosts. Um, but that doesn't mean that there won't be characters they introduce later who turn out. Actually, that's. Mm, there's got to be at least one more. They've got to they've got to do this at least <laughs> once more. Come on, it'd be crazy not to. But um, I'm not sure who it is. But I I mean the, the the idea of you know what is what is identity, what is what is life, is so central to this show that I feel like they'd be crazy not to go back to this well at least once more, if not if not more than that. Okay, awesome. Uh, and last scene then is just uh, well, it was. It was- this is the second last scene, but we're going to go back to it. Um, Sylvester um, is now with um, Maeve and Felix. Yep. Uh, and there's a, a, a great little back and forth here of Sylvester trying to be like, I had to do it because, like, you know, if I didn't do it, someone else would do it. And then he's like, I did it for you. Yeah. Like, what, what it's is better that someone here? gentle did it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. better that I did it. Better that it came from a place of love than one of the other yeah. butchers here in the in the chop shop. And uh, unsurprisingly, Maeve is not swayed by the, <laughs> by this <laughs> argument um, and begins to talk to them about how many times they've died. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Saying uh, she's done it a lot. She's gotten quite good at it. Uh, and uh, you know, drops drops the 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 big. Re- well, it's not even really a reveal because we all saw it coming. But you know, if you don't help me, I'll kill you. Which who, <laughs> yeah. who could have possibly seen this coming? <laughs> it's just like th- these two are just complete idiots. Like, of course, <laughs> this was the natural endpoint of this. Absolutely. Just, at some cool, point, like... call a manager and just be like, "Listen, <laughs> I know we're not supposed to talk to the host, but." Mistakes were made, and we may have turned one of them into a genius. Can yeah. you call the boys in security? <laughs> <laughs> but put a put a bulk apperception down to zero, please. Yeah, yeah. Put we it, need put, to yeah, get, drop that, yeah. and then call one of the karate robots in to <laughs> to to beat her up. Yeah, or Sylvester's like, I'll do it for her. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I feel like. Felix and Sylvester 
they're they're just they're just lackeys. They're Disney lackeys. They're like Flotsam and Jetsam in uh, the Little Mermaid. <laughs> they're gonna yeah. swim around with Maeve and eventually get killed. I think Flotsam and Jetsam die in the Little Mermaid. It's been a while since I've seen that. They're not gonna do well. I can't remember if they die. I'm pretty sure they probably don't. Uh, right. Okay. Let's then move into the uh, roundup. Okay. Conrad, let's do think? it. IMDb rating 9.5. I mean, they love a reveal, Connor. Yeah, they love was, a reveal. It was always going to be that way. It was always going to come to this. Like you get a big reveal, that's where that sends the fans home happy. And uh, <laughs> I think I think that's deserved. Um, it was a it was an episode of not all that much narratively speaking. I I, I guess like the for, the the Bernard stuff is actually pretty important narratively speaking, but. But the, you know the 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 host stuff doesn't re- didn't really move that far forward in in this episode. But the Bernard stuff was it was very very compelling from start to finish. We get to see Ford be a true a true villain. Um, and we get to see the ignominious end of Teresa. It was yeah really really mm-hmm. good. Yep, awesome. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think it was a really really good episode. Um, and just makes me even more excited for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Any new theories? There was at least one of them I heard. Um, so it's only a couple, really. Um, so the first one is is quite um, uh, quite broad, which is that I think William's infatuation with Dolores is going to result in his character kind of taking a darker darker turn, to try and save mm-hmm. her. Um, Tess Thompson's character will have killed someone by the end of this show. I, I'm I'm sticking to okay. my guns on that, and I suppose I could say uh, as well. I think Elsie is still alive at this point. Mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me okay we haven't seen a body so i'm saying she's mm-hmm. still alive okay awesome great theories looking forward to seeing how they get on um what about one or two questions then conrad from our lovely audience that would be tremendous okay first <laughs> first question from adventurous rover um come says hey lads question for you for both again if you were to discover that you were a host how do you think you would react um, I know how I'd react. You know how I'd react? Hey, go on. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah, that's almost. I think so. Like, there's there's two there's two sides of my brain to this. The 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 kind of liberal hippie in my brain is like, I'll just be fine with it. you know know, get on get on with it we're all we're all ultimately you know living creatures let's just coexist and it'll be fine i think uh (coughs) the reality is there'd probably be a fairly long period of existential questioning that would go on after that (laughs) um you know questioning because you'd literally have to question every decision you've ever made as to whether it was your choice or the choice of the person who who programmed um mm-hmm. or indeed the host who programmed you so uh it wouldn't be an easy thing to adjust to i think that's safe to say i'll tell you one the first thing i like i would do actually after that i'd go through that initial period of adjustment and then i would bust out some of that sweet sweet karate 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Put your karate skills up to 20. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So your karate skills are currently 11, and your bulk apperception is 13. If we put your karate up to twenty, your bulk up session will have to come down to two. That's fine. Bump it up. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Don't need that. Don't need that. <laughs> I just want to be yeah, able to a sweet roundhouse. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like I think personally, I, I've got a. I, it, I can't get past the word react there because uh, we're at the end of the episode, Conrad. I'm sure we've only got regular listeners listening now, so I can go into this. A few weeks ago, I, I started change. You might you might have noticed I changed the uh, name of the episodes to instead of being reaction or react, I, I put discussion and analysis because I got a, a couple of people complaining about like my use of the word reaction because apparently in YouTube terminology, reaction means you literally have to be watching it at the moment that you're talking about it, oh, okay. which completely throws my mind off the deep end to be honest with you because that means like all like whenever you like a news reporter goes let's go to so-and-so for their reaction it's like you don't go to a politician and then watch them watching something you know what i mean yeah that's not what re- that's not what the word means yeah I, I i can kind of i can see the argument that like a reaction means something very specific on youtube but i'm also just like yeah that word has broader meaning than just on youtube like oh you know i'm reacting to a discussion about this <laughs> this yeah. show right I, now i was i see i was using it as like a journalistic uh yeah. a meaning of the word yeah reaction. well we bring but, that highbrow kind of pulitzer style writing and and uh, dialogue to, to to podcasting we do and we and we, to be quite honest with you we do go through the episodes bit by bit so we are it's it's more of a reaction than someone who just like talks about the three favorite things or whatever you know what i mean yeah. so Anyway, that's 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 a little bugbear. So, guys, if you notice that we changed the name, but that's why we did because I, I didn't want to piss off the YouTube gods, you know. So that's, keep that's them, what we did. Yeah, keep them sweet. Keep them sweet. Um, all right, let me see. Marvin with a lovely question here. I love this question because it's a real th- character thinking one. Do you think the man in black was a black hat or a white hat on his first visit to the park? Because you know how he said he's been there a lot of times. Yeah. Hmm. Did he just come in all guns blazing first go? Like I feel like you get bored of that, wouldn't you? <laughs> like <laughs> Logan is Logan is a classic black hat entry point from the guy. From the start, like, yeah. I'm gonna go crazy, and then and then just gets arrested and and beaten up in a jail cell in Mexico, and and <laughs> leaves and probably tries to sue the park because he's upset. Um, I think. Based on what we know about the man in black, or based on what we have seen of the man in black, the implication that he works for some kind of like philanthropic organization, maybe medical in nature, help that helps people, um, and the fact that he does seem to have some desire to help in his own twisted way, help help the host in his own twisted way. To me, his character screams of some kind of like misguided morality. Um, which probably mm. started as legitimate morality and was twisted through either heartbreak or just banging your head against something for years and years and not succeeding or something along those lines. So I, I think it would be much more interesting for his character to have been a white hat. So uh, mm. just to you know, kind of look at that idea of if even like the best of us, not to say he's, that he was necessarily the best of us, but you know, if even a, a fundamentally good person can be corrupted into what the man in black has become then it can happen to any of us and kind of ask those those mm. those uh, like moral questions of the audience i think that would be quite interesting 
Okay, awesome. Just uh, one or two more then. The first one comes from Vic Disco. And he he says, why would William be willing to sacrifice everything to fall in love with and fall in love with Dolores? And now that they have fallen for each other, what will the future bring them? Are they doomed or is there hope? Um, well, I, I think we've kind of touched on it. Whereas I, I think, you know, obviously Dolores is a very beautiful woman and, and has a personality that he clearly is attracted to. But I think it's more what she brings out in him. Like, uh, that, that he feels is 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 his true self um i think that's really what he's in love with um and that's why i think their relationship is doomed to fail because ultimately dolores is a person i think like that's kind of where i come down on the hosts at this point like they are Mm. living sentient beings uh certainly the ones who've like fully woken up uh become become self-aware are like your your maves and and dolores presumably by the time she's talking to Bernard, is, is the same. Um, so the fact that he sees Dolores as, as a... Even if he doesn't realise this himself, the fact that he sees Dolores as a means to achieve his own perfect self, I think means that that relationship isn't going to end well. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see how it's possible for William to go down this path and to... I think in going down this path, he is going to lose... Uh, Dolores uh, I, th- I just don't okay. see how he avoids that okay very interesting and um, last couple of questions from Handsome Henry. first one is uh, who's more cruel the man in black or Ford oh Ford 100% every day of the week it's Ford like the man in black you know it inflicts violence but like he knows that they're like he inflicts violence because he well for a start he knows they're getting back up again you know the, the the next day and he doesn't yeah. like ford just killed a human woman yeah <laughs> and he doesn't kind of existentially torture them as well you know he's trying he inflicts violence on them and whether whether his reasons are actually valid or not we don't know yet but he certainly has some degree of justification in being able to say look i'm trying to free you from these uh mm-hmm. the, the 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 what you're bound to now I, again I, I don't necessarily agree with the way he's doing it or or even um that 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 is his true motivation but if you look at ford like ford is is like a a, a kid with a magnifying glass burning ants uh you know he he's just mm-hmm. he is he doesn't view the host as anything more than his playthings to to play god with and um, yeah, that is that is far more monstrous than any individual act of violence that the man in black could ever could ever commit. Okay, uh, interesting. One part about it as well that we didn't actually really touch upon much because I suppose we have seen some violence towards humans from hosts already. But Bernard killing Teresa is one hundred percent guarantee or like proof that under the right direction or under the right coding hosts can kill humans so that is a thing to think about for the future too i mean that's that's more or less i I was already pretty convinced of it but it's it's Mm -hmm. more or less solidified in my mind that ford definitely had a hand in arnold's murder and probably got a host to do it and i think the host was probably dolores um based on all the evidence we have about that so i mean you know i i don't think this is the first time he's killed a human i don't think it'll be the last time he's killed he kills a human or commands i guess someone else to kill a human Okay, and last question. Don't spend too much uh, too long on this one because we have actually done a fair, fair bit. It's from Handsome Headedry again, and it says, "What do you think it means when Bernard says 
we don't know how the hosts work. Um, I think it's just like legacy coding, basically. I, I think it's it's kind of like, you know, I, I work in IT. When you come into a new company, you see the code base and there's always stuff that's been written either in languages you don't know or frameworks you don't know mm-hmm. that just exists and isn't touched and is left alone because it works. Um, and I suspect that's what's happened here. You know, it, like the, the, the original code that fundamentally makes the hosts work was written by a genius who I suspect realized what he had done, created life and didn't want the responsibility of um, of dealing with, with with that. Didn't didn't want to to be like that's too much power for one person to hold, certainly for a company to hold, and so try to mm-hmm. destroy it. I think that's that's probably gonna be where what we find out about with Arnold's character. Um, and the the fallout from that is that the park essentially runs on this legacy code that can't be updated you can you know program stuff on like behavior on top of it but ultimately the actual function of the hosts will re- remain a mystery for anyone but a genius and i don't think they've got any of those at the park okay very interesting very very interesting well guys there we go that is episode seven of westworld we'll be going on to episode eight next week so join us um only three more to go in the first season so really really looking forward to it um if you haven't subscribed already give the channel a subscribe give us a like as well does help uh if you want to subscribe on audio apps to listen to us in the car on a run or anything like that we are the afterlife podcast over there the culture cave on youtube thanks very much guys um Support the podcast. Links in the description if you if you can. If you can't, that's fair enough. And we will catch you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown. <laughs>